Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way. All right, welcome to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. We've got an episode for you today in the world of sports, so I think you're going to love this one. Um, we've got a guest with us today. His name's Jesse Joyce. Hey, Jesse, how are you? Hey, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So the, the, the sport that we mentioned is AFL. Uh, a lot of people listening in from overseas might relate to hearing Aussie rules or Aussie rules football. Um, so you're a, you've been playing for, you've played for five years in the professional league here. Um, based on the Gold Coast. So uh, yeah, could you just tell a little bit about um, what you've been working on? Yeah, so as you said, I've been, um, I was in the AFL for five years with Gold Coast Suns, um, local products. So I was at the club for about 11 years when you include my time in the academy. Um, probably wasn't much of a prospect growing up, but just worked really hard to stay involved in the system. And then come the draft year, I sort of proved myself and was able to pick up a rookie contract um, over the five years, played yeah sixty four AFL games, and unfortunately last year got delisted and came out the other end with a little bit of an injury as well. So um, that sucked a little bit. But um, in the middle of rehabbing that, and uh, I've started with the Southport Sharks as well in the semi professional league, which um, will be in the the VFL for the first time ever. Um, so I'm still pretty ambitious about my chances of hopefully getting back into the AFL. But um, in the meantime, it's given me the opportunity to work on my what I want to be in probably long-term, which is business. And um, I've been working at PainPod now for a month, um, learning everything involved there based on customer service and what they have to offer, um, their demographic and everything. So, it's yeah, it's been awesome. Um, it's helped translate what I've learned in my footy career into the business landscape and where I want to take it. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Look, there was a lot there. So uh, yeah. I appreciate you coming in and, and sharing this perspective on it because I think the life of a professional athlete um, is uh, not something a lot of people know a lot about. You know, So even everything about you know training regime and uh, trying to pushing through you know your personal goals and it's team-based sport, yeah. um, all that. So And like you mentioned, there's a transition that you made into the business world and um, just getting that experience behind your, behind your belt as well. I'll just mention the company you mentioned is PainPod and PainPod Australia. Yeah, PainPod Australia. They're also in the UK and US as well. Very cool. Um, And so, uh, yeah, we we just pick up briefly on that. So that is a product that we we were checking out the website. Mm. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that uh, that type of a product or what that company does? Yes, they have a range of devices and accessories. Um, I've obviously been learning about it over the last couple of months, but it has been relevant to me given my um, rehab with my foot. Um, And so the different devices have a different price range, but they all work on trying to relieve pain and um, fix and speed up the rehabilitation process through TENS and EMS. Um, So the TENS is the blocking the neural pathways to provide that pain relief and the AMS is about the um, it's about the muscles contracting so that it can start that rehabilitation process and strengthen those muscles. Okay. Um, and that would be, is that something that's specific to the sporting world or is that generally across all sorts of, uh, I guess, you know, pain, people that are experiencing pain? Well, well, it is relevant in the sporting world and there are a couple, a couple athletes that do use it, but um, probably the most common demographic is elder people um, just because in their day-to-day they do suffer quite a bit of pain and what what the um, mission of the company is about trying to um, promote 
drug-free lifestyle and not having to rely on drugs. And a lot of the time when you get to that age, drugs just can't fulfill that purpose without becoming a bit of a problem. So um, we have a lot of testimonials on people that have been having to walk around with um, walking sticks and then after a couple of hours on the device at home, they can walk around without the walking stick. Like um, it's something that sort of fills a gap in their lifestyle that can provide that yeah, pain-free lifestyle, which is pretty important with old, old people. Interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and just to comment on it, like I've got a background in uh, in physiology actually, so it's a bit random. I've been doing business for many years, but way back when I studied it was uh, you know, almost like pre-med and looking at how the body works. And um, these devices were sort of up and coming, but they've seemed to have matured a lot in a sense that it's not just one universal device. Like there's versions of the same thing, right? There might be one for your knee, yeah. Maybe one for your lower back, is that right? Yeah, so the devices can work on all different areas. It's probably more the accessories that help with that. Um, the different sizes of pads and have sleeve options as well. Um, so that covers probably knees, elbows, um, all those sort of different areas. Knees are a pretty common area, but um, yeah, different. Well, there's also been more devices created. So now uh, PainPod has a heat device, which obviously folk that pretty heavy on the pain relief side. Um as I know with footy, um, heat's probably something will get you through a game if you've got back spasms or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's the devices have a use for all the areas, but um, I guess different devices can serve different purposes and the different pads can also help with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, neat. Look, we might circle back just to just to see how that might come into play for rehab and just understanding that world. But yeah, if we can maybe just go back to the maybe the beginning, like yourself as an individual. Yeah. Um, like you said, you're uh, you know sort of long time here on the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, and uh, what was your going through the school and and getting into the footy world? Uh, what was that? What was that like? Obviously, was it a balance of trying to go to school, or going to school, and then working in the sport development? For yourself? Yeah, yeah. So for school, um, we were talking about that before. I was lucky enough. Um, I made the state New South Wales team in under-12s and that gave me the ability to get a scholarship to PBC High um, on the Gold Coast, which has a sport excellence program. So for the five years I was at high school, I was doing that for a subject, which, um, yeah, it probably sped up the development that I've been able to, that I was able to make in that time because in Queensland there's not, as many players that are probably up to standard and so you need a bit of exposure to um, more time on field to learn the same way that players in Victoria would, which is where everyone is. Um, so with that, I guess I had to just work really hard. There was times where I was playing for three different teams. So I'd be playing for school, club and uh, rep representative. Um, and yeah, to be honest with school, it probably didn't help, help that much. There wasn't much homework getting done because I was training four nights a week and then playing all weekend. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a juggle, but um, part of that process is the reason that I was able to play a lot of AFL in the end, I, I believe. Okay. I think a lot of listeners would be thinking about, you know, maybe sports they played growing up. It could be, you know, in their country, it depends. It could be soccer, it could be um, American football. Yeah. Um, and there's le different levels of uh, community support for that kind of thing. Mm. Did you feel like... Um, that you were just part of a, a pretty well-established thing or were you sort of forging a new path? And because AFL is bigger in, in Victoria, right? Yeah, yeah, in uh, Melbourne. In the state of, yeah, in the state of Victoria and Melbourne. And here, 
probably less developed. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually growing a lot. And with the women's, the, the development of the women's league, it's helped a lot. Like um, I think it's probably the fastest, the women's comp is the fastest growing sport in Queensland, I'd say. Um, but with that has dragged the AFL along with it. Um, what, growing up in primary school, I didn't really have, um, I was probably definitely on that forging my own path. And it was one of those things where got hassled a lot because I was an AFL player and didn't play rugby. And um, I guess it got to that point where once I made the state team, like, oh, okay, it must be all right at this. Um, it must be an all right sport if you can sort of do that with it. And then once I did go to the high school, I did was a predominantly rugby school, but um, we had a team that we were playing with and we were really successful in that team, taking out multiple, I don't, uh, multiple state championships and, um, even competing with other the best schools of other states. So um, I think it started off as forging my own path and then was able to get in the same circle as a lot of really good players locally and we were able to um, probably collaborative, co- collaboratively go our own way and sort of forge our path for PBC High, which was, yeah, it was funny comparing both those experiences between primary and high school. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then the the jump from... Obviously, the uh, into the professional leagues. Is there a um, I want to call it like a draft or some kind of intake where they're, you know, the new recruits are being considered and you're selected for the, you know, the initial group. Yeah, yeah. So the AFL does have have a draft process, um, pretty similar to the NFL, but um, there is also academy allocations. Um, one which was used on me. It probably wasn't. It probably didn't need to be used. To its full purpose, because the Suns, Gold Coast Suns, were probably the team that were most keen on me. Um, but it has, yeah, fulfilled the purpose of getting a lot of top ten um, draft picks to stay on the Gold Coast, and because it is hard to sort of keep those players if other other teams are keen keen on them. Um, but yeah, for me, it was a weird experience. I didn't really expect much. I made the state team for the first time since under 12s and so I needed to do that. I was probably going into that season, I probably was a little bit hesitant because I'd gone from making under 12s and then all those other years, setback, setback, didn't make it, didn't make it. And then under 18s, I did make it. Um, and I probably had a a little thought at that point where I was like, okay, I need to either go full pelt at this or I just leave it and I move on with everything else. And Ended up going at it and came out the other end being on an AFL list, which was awesome. But, um, yeah, I guess I sort of slid under the radar, got into the AFL with the second last pick of the rookie draft, which is a separate draft of the AFL, the the main draft. Um, but, yeah, it was funny because I got told before that even happened, I was actually at the club with my teammates for my first day on the day that I got rookied. Um, and so I was sitting with a couple of players and my name popped up and I'm yeah, it was it was pretty cool, pretty cool scenario to be in where I'm already there, but um, see the name pop up while while I'm around a couple of my new teammates. Very cool. Um, yeah, like obviously that's right in the moment. Um, mm. What what uh, what was the reaction like from your family and so on? Like those around you, were they were they pretty pretty pumped? Pretty excited? Oh yeah, yeah, super pumped. Yeah. So 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 how it worked was I the coach called me in um, about two days before or a day before the main draft, and he said, oh if you if you slide through the main draft, we're going to take you as a rookie. And so I went home and basically told them. I remember, I remember walking home and I was like, "Geez, like I don't know, how I'm going to tell them this." Um, and walk in and yeah, there was it was pretty crazy. Um, 
being drafted probably wasn't as big as debuting. Um, for me, the debut was was probably the biggest thing because I played. Um, and for people that don't know about AFL, especially on the Gold Coast, when it rains, it doesn't really. The games usually get called off, especially locally. Um, and on the night, I just like I debuted, of course, as like category one cyclone, pretty much around and. <laughs> There was only like a thousand people at the game and it was raining cats and dogs. Um, almost felt like I wasn't going to make it to the game because I felt like I was going to crash my car on the way. But um, out of those those thousand people, um, a good chunk of that was my family and friends. And when I ran out for the first time, big cheer. And then when I got my first touch and even louder cheer. And that was, yeah, that's probably something I'll, I'll look back on pretty fondly for a while. But yeah, that was probably the moment that was best. Um, received by family and friends wow very cool yeah um yeah look i mean it's it's a very special combination of the fact that you're from you know basically from here and then you're on the local team as well mm. has that local team been i don't know if you know the exact dates but has it been long established or is it you know the years of when that came to be gold coast Suns? uh i think i think they're in their 11th year i think last year was the 10th um so very young in afl the way the AFL's worked is it started off as VFL um, and then it's slowly progressed and gotten bigger around Australia. West Coast and and South Australia had a couple of teams come in first and then Queensland and New South Wales have been the next ones that have come in. Um, so, yeah, I guess you've got teams like Essendon and Carlton who are 150 years old but with, yeah, the Suns very young um, and haven't had much success yet but um, I think they'll definitely grow into that into that sort of top end of the ladder yeah for sure um and obviously coming in on the squad and you, you know you're on the field and then there would be levels of experience on the field obviously yeah um in that that first year were there people that you, uh, you sort of mm. it was sort of that that experience of people that you were aware of or maybe looked up to oh yeah and you're yeah. alongside them yeah i was lucky in my draft year i played with a couple in the NEFL, which is the seconds team Probably not that top end that you're sort of in awe of, um, but a lot of really good players. Um, and then come getting drafted, I'm, yeah, well, playing with probably one of the greatest ever players in Gary Ablett Jr., um, which was amazing. Um, took a lot from the two years I spent with him. Um, learned, yeah, learned a lot. And he was always really willing to offer what, um, what he thought was, yeah, that sound advice and, was pretty pretty reserved most of the time, but I found that I got along really well with him. And um, he just, I think he just really, what he preached was doing the basics really well. And when you watch him play, it just you're just like, the way you make it look is, it's not that way. It's just ridiculous what he can do. But um, yeah, he, he was definitely one that I think any player at that club in that time would be in awe of because he was already probably one of the greatest players to play the game. Like amazing, and um, mm. I'm just thinking about you know you sharing that. It's, it helps understand like these are people that you you know as as individuals. Um, uh, fans would have a different reaction. They would be in that fan celebrity mode where they'd seen them on TV. And mm. um, do you think that uh, like in the sport is it covered widely on on media? Like would all the games be televised, for example? Uh, most are. Uh, it's dependent on the TV rights. Um... I think a lot, a lot are now, especially with the rise of like KO. You pretty much have access to all those sort of games. Um, it's probably taken time to grow to that point. Um, but AFL is is 
perceived as probably Australia's winter sport, I'd say. And so you do have your big calendar games early in the week on like a Thursday, Friday night. Um, and then like all the games get played and for a team like the Suns, we probably didn't get as many viewers. We wouldn't have that prime time. Like we'd only play on the main field, which is the MCG once a year, but it does go with how well you're playing as well, which is understandable. Like if you're playing well and it, there's a bit of more build up and you want to accommodate to all the fans that want to watch it. So, um, yeah, it's dependent on how, how the team's going. Yeah, nice. Uh, what about rivalries, uh, I guess, between clubs? Does that exist? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Sutton's pretty obvious. It's Brisbane. Um, yeah, I've been part of a couple really physical games that we've played against Brisbane, which is, yeah, it's it's funny because we're not really that close to each other, sort of 100K up the road from each other. Um, but we do play for the Q Cat. Uh, we did play for the Q Clash Cup, which is probably, yeah, it's our biggest one of our bigger games for the year. Um, I think I probably I played in one or two wins, but it's always been like I think, especially when you consider where we're at right now, Suns are a lot lower on the ladder than Brisbane are, but um, have always managed to be relatively competitive with them over the last couple of years as they've probably hit their prime. Um, but yeah, those I think those rivalry games sort of make make what footy is all about, and it's a, especially when you're in Melbourne, there's a lot of them, um, and trying to have the bragging rights. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, so obviously, yeah, the, in the last year, it's been a bit uh, disruptive. The I think the whole season's pretty much shut down, right? They were in terms of you know COVID situation. Mm. Um, did, do you know about that? Were there was it a total stoppage of people playing the sport? For a period of time, then they they came back and started again. Yeah, well, we were we were involved in that. Obviously, we had to, like everyone else, we had to go in quarantine for I'm not sure how long it was, maybe a month, but we weren't training with our teammates, which is really rare in footy. Um, usually, you go away um, for your Christmas break and stuff, and you you're usually around your teammates. But yeah, we had to take the gym that was at the club home with us, like separately, and do our own things at at our at our houses, um, it the season ended up getting uh, sort of brought into a smaller compact version where we played l- less time in quarters and less games throughout the year, I'm pretty sure. Um, but there was probably a two-month halt to the season. And so there was – started off as hubs and then Gold Coast luckily became a hub. So for me, I was pretty lucky I was able to live at home and play footy. But for us, we were also – still separate to the rest of society like we weren't able to go and dine anywhere we had to um be pretty conservative in what we did it was home or training or groceries that's it um so we we sort of lived on under a different set of rules for a good six months wasn't able to see any friends or anything but um it was necessary to get the to get footy up and running because what we probably found is a lot of people's livelihood depend on afl uh, especially in Melbourne, um, a lot of people's weeks are sort of it. It revolves around how your team's going and waiting for them to play every week, and that's probably the climax in everyone's week. So it um made us realise how important being in that job is, and it's an entertainment. It's you're in the entertainment industry. You can't can't fold that when you realise in that sort of circumstance. Yeah, right. I mean, that's mm. um yeah, absolutely right. It's all that just disruption flows on. Um, uh, I was I was just trying to get a sense of like 
just how disruptive that can be. And it's sort of continued there. But from a financial point of view, does the is the pay structure such that it's like a like a salary type arrangement? Like when you're a professional athlete, is it a salary or is it based on how many uh, games are played and so on? No, so it is, yeah, it is salary. Um, the first two years depends on where you take it in the draft order. Um, for me, I was a rookie, so I only had a one-year contract. And then from there, I was lucky enough after my first year, I did well enough to get on the senior list. Um, but that's all negotiated through your manager. Um, yeah, so a lot of the time, it doesn't really matter how many games you play. Um, if you're a high draft pick, you're probably a better chance of being on better money just because that's the way you're projected to be you're projected to be a long-term player on that's meant to have a big impact um for me i was on a bit more of a modest um modest level in terms of that but still crazy compared when i bet compare it to the real world um and then in covid to put in reality we pretty much took a 50 percent hit for that for those months that covid existed which was yeah i think it took our pay from 100 percent down to something like 65 percent 65 to 70 percent so took a pretty heavy cut and um it was necessary to keep footy alive but um yeah for me i was going in my last i was in my what would turn out to be my last season um thus far and yeah it's it's pretty interesting how it all worked out Jeez, yeah i mean that would be pretty abrupt like you're describing pretty positive trajectory everything was kind of working out pretty well Mm. um and then the the injury you described, um, maybe just repeat, could you take us through that again? Was it is it one match, one game, one incident, or was sort of a, a, a something that came on and then you decided, no, I, I can't continue? Yeah, it was progressive. Like I was able to will myself through a lot of footy with it. Um, the perspective around it is it was a stress fracture monovicular. Um, through working with the club physios and stuff, clinically it didn't show signs of that because the navicular is – sort of on the inside of your foot and I was having pain down the outside and so that's obviously nowhere near it um, and that's probably why what what we thought was happening wasn't what ended up happening and with the stress fractures obviously it's a progressive thing um, I probably would have played through it for about six weeks um, I was probably I was hobbling around pretty badly at times but also like I'm proud I was able to push through it it's probably didn't work out to be the best thing that's ever happened to me, but um, I dealt with it. I felt like I played some pretty good footy and kept the senior side um, accountable during that time. And, yeah, all you can do is play the cards you're dealt. And right now it's given me a good perspective on what I can do outside of just playing footy. I've had to resort to doing a lot of swimming, something I probably didn't, being even being a coast local, like usually you love that sort of stuff. I was never big on it. And so I've had to embrace the fact that, a lot of my fitness is going to come from swimming and bike riding and less impact. And so I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. It was something obviously sucks in hindsight, but um, the learnings I take from, I think is something that's going to sit, going to be with me for a lot longer than yeah. What the rehab process will be. So um, yeah, everything happens for a reason. I'm a pretty firm believer in that. Yeah. Look, I mean, that's, that's powerful to, to have that obviously be taken away from you because you could, could have continued, but then you sort of, buying your time and, and making the best of it, right? Um, the uh, the conditioning of an AFL athlete, I feel, is it's got to be up there with one of the top. And for those that aren't aware, it's like in, intense cardio, right? You're, I don't know, you're probably running for nonstop for, what is it? What's the full length of the of a match? Uh, well, we have 20-minute quarters that go longer. Time on um, is what it's called. And so quarters can 
if you're looking at the clock on game day, it can go for over 30 minutes. Um, you do that over four quarters, you're doing two hours out on the field. Being a defender, I I also didn't get as many rotations. Being a mid, you're at high intensity all the time, and so they need two or three rests a, a quarter. But being the defenders, we can sort of do a lot longer, not as quick, but just constant all the time. Um, clocked up 15Ks a lot of times playing um, on certain players and yeah it's 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 um a fair impact on the body and that obviously contributed to my foot and it's it's only getting quicker as well which is the crazy thing um it's probably dangerous in terms of injuries but um clubs have got to adapt to it because that's just the way it's going and as every sport does and pretty much any sort of professional yeah elite environment involves the the way that you're going to do better is by doing things quicker and so yeah like time trial times are just going to continue to keep going down you just got to go with it or yeah it's just going to work out the way it will so just in that sport so you're describing quicker does that mean it's like you know pursuing ball possession and you're actually just trying to main possession at all costs and it's almost like an aggression thing or um when you say like the time trials and things what what are you referring to there uh, so in AFL, we do a lot of 2K time trials. Um, and just to put in perspective, over my time when I first started, probably anything under seven minutes was pretty good. You get to now, you're looking well under 6.30. Um, at, like you're trying to probably break six minutes if if you're at that top end. Like, yeah, for me, I was sort of just over seven minutes for a lot of it. And then I sort of broke through that, gra- that glass ceiling and was able to get under 6.40. But um, yeah, from what I've heard, has happened at the Suns over this year. They're getting a, a couple of players under six minutes and a fair chunk of the group are in that 6.30 range. And it's pretty quick when you, you're running at a high speed for a long, long amount of time. Um, and I guess how that converts into footy is you're reacting to things all the time. And so a lot of the time, if you can get to the ball first, you've got a better chance winning that contest and especially in AFL, it's all about outnumbering that contest. And so if you can get more players to that contest quicker, you got a better chance that the, it's just all like the numbers are in your favor if that's the case. And so that's why everything's getting quicker in a sense. Yeah, right. I'm, and this will be interesting for people from overseas to just get a, an understanding of what, you know, where that performance improvement comes from. Is it mm. just hard work and just putting in the time or is there some kind of you know, uh, performance enhancement somewhere like I'm just thinking of, you know, lung capacity, training yourself to just be conditioned. Sometimes they, I think they have machines, you know, breathing apparatus that can train you to fast track. Yeah. Well, I think all clubs do it differently. I think a lot of, but in my time at the Suns, it was definitely going down the path of hard work. Um, we we had an iron, an ex-iron man take over our sports science program or high performance program uh in the last three years i was there and he obviously being in that realm a lot of k's in the legs um and just that meant the mentality behind it too i think um that's that's that was his perspective on it and so it was a lot of yeah hard work my perspective on it is you've just got to run faster for longer is probably my my the way i see it and i think what the difference was in me running quicker was getting stronger through the programs we have um, and then that being able to be dragged out with my endurance as well. Um, but yeah, each club's different. Some have a real heavy recovery focus. Some have K like miles in the legs. Some are focused on the mentality of it. Um, 
it just depends who's running your program. But yeah, it was it was really eye opening to have an ex Ironman run our programs because there were some sessions where yeah you're doing more than a game's work and you're really yeah it's testing upstairs yeah that's true i mean iron man would be bigger on the world but there'd be some big name australians that are mm. you know top of the pack and uh you know in terms of strength and conditioning um uh, you know obviously it's endurance mainly <clears throat> but mm -hmm. um you know whatever whatever the edge is going to be uh and in all those crossover sports so is there anything you do recreationally now like obviously you have to take it easy with the with the body but um anything for fun uh, i love golf that's that's my sort of um sport that i would in in would say would be more of an indulgence for me um i love that uh I, i've tried dabble dabbling in surf surfing because growing up in tweed heads that's where the quicksilver pro is um so i don't mind trying to go out for a surf and go to the beach but uh golf's probably been my main one um like played a lot growing up and that was always my summer sport and something it, it's one of those mental sports as well um so i really enjoy that mental challenge of trying to switch on for the whole five hours that you're out there and how you're going to attack a different hole and um that's yeah that's probably the sport that i love most to do and it's not it's relaxing it's not too taxing on your body um but yeah i guess i love the way i sort of try to play the game try to hit long hit a fair way and yeah try and drop that handicap is something that's always in the back of your mind yeah it is i'm amazed by that the um the profession of golf like the amount of athletes that 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 do that and they pick it up and it's like a skill so did you have a natural inclination for golf or did you have to learn it just like everyone else yeah i probably from what i've seen a lot of a lot of my teammates at the suns picked it up like over the last couple of years for me i played growing up um i started playing sort of junior like junior club comps from like sort of primary school but I, I got told by my dad um like a couple of years ago that i picked up a club and just hit a ball when i was like three or four or something so and just hit the ball over the fence so i guess i was always just gonna sort of play that sport from from what i could tell and yeah just over that time gotten stronger and progressed more and yeah i've never never really gone too seriously with it but um have gotten to that point where i've been able to represent my club sometimes and yeah i guess having that foundation really helps because for i've i've noticed a lot of my teammates that were trying to build their build their um swing at 2022 and for me i already I, I sort of know how to tweak my swing if i'm doing something wrong yeah no, that's cool i mean obviously the one of the main questions people might have is around you know becoming a professional athlete and having skills there could be a, a question saying how much of it's just you know natural gift and a bit of physical physical ability um and then no matter what sport you take on uh with with some hard work then then you're going to be further ahead um yeah. i don't do you have any thoughts on you know either yourself or your your teammates uh do you believe in like natural ability and talent or is it just hard work 100 or where do you fit what are you thinking um oh, i think it's relevant to different people i, I do believe in genuine talent because i've seen it um 100 um but I, I'm probably the believer in hard work. Um, for me, I was probably more of a skillful player. That's probably what got me into a professional professional level of the sport. Um, and so I see that transfer between golf and footy. If my kicking's off, then I know that I, I'm not pointing at my target or doing something like that. If I'm playing golf, I know that I'm opening up my swing too much and trying to hit it 
too far. Um, and so I, I can sort of convert that in every sport I've done, I always spent a lot of time on it. It probably wasn't good for school at all, but if I was playing footy on a certain day, I'd be umpiring, um, kicking at goals, playing my game, helping out and just caught, like if I was having a day at footy, I'd be there all day. If I was at golf, I'd be playing first thing in the morning and I'd be playing, I'd be practicing for three hours until my dad finished. Um, it's one of those things where I've just always put myself in that, um, put myself in the position where if I was going to do something, I'm going to go full throttle at it and I want to learn all the time and keep developing. And I've still, I've still got that flame in my belly to constantly do that when I go play golf. And I think that's, uh, it's humbling to, to have that in your life, something where you're constantly, you can constantly be better at something. And I, I love that. Um, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, I'm a firm believer in hard work because that's that's how I got in the AFL. And what I realized probably over the journey is as a compounding interest. There were things I was doing when I was a lot younger um, that weren't weren't straight away happening for me. Like I, I was never the quickest growing up. And so I'd be doing 7 a.m. Um, sprint training with the school running team at, at my high school um, f- on a Wednesday for I did it for three years, I reckon. I, I got to the last year, I was like, Jesus, this isn't, I'm not getting any quicker. Like I'm doing all the work, but I'm not getting any quicker. Fast forward three, well, yeah, another two years or so and I'm in my draft year and all of a sudden with the strength and everything, it all comes together. Um, and I, I, I guess I perceive that hard work as a compounding interest. I'm going to do something today and it might not, might not help me today, but I know in the long term it's going to, it's going to give me an edge. Um, and so I guess that's the substance that gives me the, the feeling that it's based off hard work for me anyways. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you describe it like that, it feels like it's, you know, it's, it's inside, you know, mm. it's, you experienced it and you've kind of, you've got it and then you could almost transfer it into any domain that you wanted to. And now you've got, I'm sure many options, but um, in the world of, I guess in the real in the world of business or mm. uh, or life beyond sport, do you feel like that lends itself in a in a way that you can use right away, or are you still trying to f- um, see how it translates? If that makes sense, like there's sport and there's athletics, but then there's the world that's kind of operates in a different way. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of people, you know. People may not be. Um, it's probably a game in numbers. Like you, an athlete might be one percent you know, with skill and hard work. And then there's 99% of everyone else mm. that's going through a daily routine. I'm just curious about um, how that's been for you to transition into a role that's sort of, uh, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that idea around learning and that's only going to happen through working hard is transferable for sure. Um, probably where I can see it transferring most is in my studies. Um, Cause I had to work really hard to get to the point I have to be able to match my study output with the physical exertion of professional sport as well and mental as well like for us we weren't winning too much and that can be really taxing on your mental on just mental lifestyle as well um not saying that i was feeling shit about life or anything but um it's just one of those things where you really need to keep picking yourself up and that momentum once you do start winning it builds but as soon as you lose you sort of lose that momentum and so you got to keep, and if you're losing, there's always stuff to improve on. So, um, I guess what I've seen in the business realm is that 
the hard work is going to pay off. And I've seen it happen over the last couple of days. I've been working at Painford for a month, but um, there's certain things that on two weeks ago I probably was trying to work on. I had no idea what I was doing. And then today, a, 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 just a flick of the switch, and I was like, okay, that, that's how that works. And, yeah, I, I guess it does. I do see it as transferable, and I, it might be the way I learn sort of things and that I've got to repetitively keep doing it until it until it um, sinks in. But um, I, I think it doesn't come off the back of just sort of cruising through. You've got to really um, exert yourself in whatever you're doing. Yeah, very cool. I, th I think that's that can be something that anybody can take away. Obviously, it's just um, you know people have their ups and their downs, and they have their goals. But uh, just um, I'm curious about how you uh, measure your success. Do you go day by day, or are you more of like a long term thinker? And you know, you, what, what, in terms of your next steps, are you thinking like months ahead, or are you thinking a couple years ahead? What is, how does your mind work? Yeah, I, for me, I I probably don't look forward too far. Um, I guess a lot of the things that I've been able to do over the past couple of years, I'd never would have thought I'd be able to do it. Um, going in my draft year, I never thought I would have been drafted, let alone be able to play over 60 AFL games. Um, and so it's probably not, I probably don't, I've got that drive to be successful at what I want to do, but I don't think I count it as successful until I've done it or I can look back and look at it fondly and go, geez, that really, and that's probably is that compounding interest ideal in my head um yeah I, i've got ideas of what i want to do um and where i want to go but um what i've learned over time is that it's all about opportunity and i can't i can't look forward and guess what that opportunity is going to be i've just got to take whatever's there pain pods perfect example i didn't really have any other options for work and i wanted to be in the business realm and so working with Sandy popped up and I took it and I've been able to learn a lot of things in the past month. Um, even with moving out of the AFL professional um, landscape and move into a more of a, a semi-professional um, area, like I'm going from playing halfback, which is not a bigger role as midfield, which is what I'm going to probably going to play, what I'm going to play at Southport Sharks. And that gives an opportunity to have a bigger role to play and probably more of a leadership role as well. And, I can try and look at what I will be able to do for them right now, but also I don't want to put a limit on that. I want to be able to sort of just go with how I feel about it because there's nothing saying that after round one my football's up sore and I've got to pull back for a couple of months, but there's nothing saying I can't go out there and try and be the best player I can every week, whether that's best on ground or whether that's being the trademark player of the week or whether that's just being a, a consistent contributor. I guess I don't. I probably, yeah, just don't want to put that expectation on myself. One, for if you don't reach it, it can become a disappointment, which I, I don't think I'm too phased by, but I also don't want to put a glass ceiling on what I'm capable of either. Yeah, that's really, it's just it's just neat to see the the, the thought process there about how, how you would tackle that challenge. And um, yeah, and it's just a matter of time. So yeah, um, there's no pressure. And do you... Uh, do you celebrate little moments of success? Say you've you know you've picked up you're in in the business world now and you're learning new things. Is that the type of thing you've got an appreciation for? You say you know what this is this is a new journey or this is a new chapter? Yeah, yeah. Well, what I was about to say is that it's probably one of those things that pops up in my head all the time, but I probably don't really recognize it too much. Like I'm constantly visualizing what I wanna, what I think I can be capable of. But um, 
yeah, there's definitely times where I think you need to be get, be able to give yourself that little that little tick. Um, yesterday I was able to run the office with just Sandy and myself, and I found that to be massive. I started off the day and I stuffed up <laughs> three or four things straight away, and the day just was going to be a nightmare. I thought, but um, by the end of the day, I felt really comfortable, and I probably learned a lot from those uh, from those mistakes, and that's probably. Something in footy you also learn is you're not going to learn unless you make those mistakes. You, you sort of learn from losses more than you do wins a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, I think those little ticks you need to be able to acknowledge and that's something that I've picked up on a lot over my time. Um, there's uh, We had a presentation come in from the Resilience Project. I'm not sure if you heard of it, but um, it's about rewiring the brain um, to be more positive and more accepting of what's happened in your day. Um, and so what I... What I do with my um my two sisters and my partner is we send each other three things that went well in the day, and um I think that's something that's sort of wired wired my brain differently just to see the positives. It's not about going home and going this went wrong, that went wrong, life sucks. It's about acknowledging what you've done well because they can be such they can be such small things. It makes you realise how lucky you are. Um, very lucky to live on the Gold Coast, and I'm very lucky to have the experience and opportunities i have so i guess um that's been a pretty big part of it and that's something that's taken over the afl landscape pretty heavily but um yeah to being able to implement in your lifestyle you can definitely notice the difference yeah that's um i think that's definitely something for people to look up you know mm. the, the idea of just three three things yeah for sure. um and it's on a daily basis to to help you i guess appreciate you know that you are making gains and it's like that um you know, cumulative effect, like you said, a little mm -hmm. bit now, but over time, you're way far ahead than, um, yeah, so you stick with it. Yeah, yeah, and I guess for me, it's like today, I'll probably just tick off a couple of small things, like I was able to do one of my first podcasts and was able to do a certain thing at work, and then who knows, by the end of the year, it might be close a big sale or was able to have best on ground today in footy. Um, It doesn't matter what size the success is, it is, it's a good thing that happened in your day and it's about accepting it and recognizing it um and yeah that's important for your your mental um to keep you going every day and looking for what's the next thing that you can tick off and keep building on it that's brilliant yeah i'm taking a lot of uh, a lot of pointers and just just <laughs> to see how people uh, what techniques like the little life hacks you know yeah they are yeah. um and so and they can be a bit fun and lighthearted, you know but they can help a lot so yeah of course uh, little tips um, so obviously, yeah, we appreciate you coming in and sharing all this stuff. I mean, just thoughts of yourself and the sport back again. Like, do you consider yourself a fan of the sport? Do you, do you turn on and watch some of the, the big names or do you take a bit of a break given that you were, you know, inner circle with everything? Mm. Um, maybe do you watch another sport as a bit of a distraction or? Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm a massive sports fan. Yeah, a bit of a sports, sports enough. Um, AFL is probably something I've been able to Look at look with a different lens since I've been outside of it. Um, I like the other day I watched a, a really good game that I, I um, it was Brisbane versus Geelong, and I think um, Lincoln McCarthy kicked uh the game winning goal um to beat his old side, and so like sort of games like that where there's a bit on the line and um it just sort of has a massive climax. That's sort of the stuff where I remember playing and I get pretty excited by it. Um. I love watching golf as well, but uh, I think for me the biggest one's been since I got out of the 
the professional side because we're doing so much vision midweek. You're constantly analysing everything. I'd go to a game with my girlfriend who's from Brisbane and go watch Brisbane play and she'd be saying, oh, geez, like that was such a good goal. And I'd be like, oh, did you see what happened over here? Like he did this and this and this and that, created that and that and that. And it just made me realise I was just so, so on all the time when I was watching a game and trying to break it down. Whereas when you're playing footy, you play it because you love it and you want to have fun. And I'm sort of loving being able to watch a game and just go, yeah, that was a good goal or just see what the fans see. Um, I'm sure once I get back into playing, I'll probably pick that back up again. But um, even golf, just what they what they can do on that sort of stage with fans watching and huge amounts of money on the line is pretty interesting. Um, so I'll, I'll, I think I'll always look at those sports um, through different lenses based on different times of my life. But um, I'm definitely loving. I love being the the fa- on the fan side of the fence for sure. Um, as much as I want to get back on on field and playing in front of those crowds and yeah cool. contributing and and maybe just to touch on the uh, i guess the, the loyalty aspect are people like uh, club fans for life like is there any uh dual dual club supporters out there or you, you choose a club and go with it yeah yeah it's um it's funny because it's probably given that and you're, you're dead right like people are like family a family line of supporting a club um got many friends that Richmond's their first team and Gold Coast Suns are always a, like Gold Coast Suns are always a second team was what I took from when we were playing when I was playing for them um, and that's just based on how young they are like I know as the sport grows up here they're gonna get more fans but um, especially in Victoria you've got you've got teams that have been around for 150 years and they've got a pretty good success rate a lot of premierships and stuff and that's that's what intrigues a lot of people success. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely one of those sort of loyal sports, but you do you do get your bandwagoners. I think especially around here that people don't commit to a team, and so you get that. But also, I had my time where I bandwagon on the Brisbane Lions when they won three in a row in the two thousands, and they had some amazing players in that team. Um, but yeah, because um, Dad sort of brainwashed me into being a Richmond supporter. I sort of I think I jumped on Brisbane that almost pissed him off a little bit, and then jumped back on and. Yeah, and now I could probably say I'd support the Suns or even just not just look at it from a very neutral standpoint and just say I like that team because of what they're doing. But, um, yeah, in terms of AFL, it's pretty loyal loyal code, I'd say. All about the game. Yeah. yeah. Look, that's good. It's been an interesting little spotlight. Obviously, people can look into it and, and hopefully tune in if it's overseas. I'm sure there's ways to access some of the stuff and yeah, um, maybe sure. some highlights. There's some great highlights out there. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some good highlight reactions from people in America. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool seeing that perspective because it makes you realize um, what, 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 we're, what we're doing on a pretty um, – national scale and how other how other probably fans of different sports perceive it and i think it can be seen as a really skillful but also brutal sport have you had, had a chance to travel at all uh, obviously you've been busy with this career but mm. any, anywhere overseas or either near nearby or far away uh yeah yeah i guess every off season i've tried to make a ha, uh, tried to try my best to travel um being an afl been able to travel australia through footy um but I've been able to go to uh, well, one thing I was able to do was play in China for the first Asia uh, China game ever. Um, didn't go our way. We got done by Port Adelaide pretty badly. But to be part of that and realise what some of these international sports people do is pretty in- insane. Playing in Shanghai and 
it was like a an 11 day trip or yeah like a week long trip in between games and stuff and playing in a different country them not really knowing what's going on um so it was cool to play in that from the sporting side but i've also been lucky enough to travel with some friends to thailand bali and europe yeah europe and uk a little bit um definitely can do a bit more of it but that's obviously probably on the back burner for a little bit it's a good opportunity to see more of what australia has to offer anyways and uh yeah there's always somewhere to see, especially um around queensland i think which is awesome very cool mm. That's interesting. The, the international piece around uh, just on that game was it, yeah. is it, is it was it a business development thing? Do you think in order to get introduce the sport to a new audience, a new country, just as a bit of a test? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, I guess AFL is trying to go internationally in more ways than one. They developed the AFLX a couple of years ago. I was I was lucky enough to play in that game. It's probably a bit more of a big bash form of AFL, um, which was really cool to be a part of. That wasn't at an international standpoint, but um, I could definitely see that this was a big part of trying to go global. And even I think back in the day, some AFL games were hosted in London and just like exhibition games to get different countries interested because the AFL is constantly trying to grow um, because they know that, I think they know that it's such a unique game that it has that ability to grow. Um, so yeah, to be part of a China game was pretty awesome because there are some ties um, to players in our comp, I, one of my teammates and good friends, Kalamache, he had bloodlines that go back to China. And so for him, that was something that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think there's always going to be links in terms of nationality to the AFL. And I think they want to try and make that global because they know that if you've got athletes coming from places like America, if they can get involved, it's going to be a crazy sport. You just look like watch the Super Bowl the other day and some of the athletes involved in that are just insane. And so with the what the AFL is going through right now is probably a growth of trying to get different athletes involved so that it can become more of a spectacle and you've got just these unique players playing. The steeplechases and basketball is probably a good one where people have gone from that into AFL. Even rugby, there's been some players that have come across, but I think they know that the benefits of having different athletes involved means that you're going to see different things in a game. Um even Mason Cox being involved um, from America, just, yeah, really unique footballer and he's been able to do some amazing things. So having those sort of stories involved is pretty cool and I think that's why they want to make it more global so they can entice more people in. That's neat. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the business side of the sport. You know, they're, yeah. they're looking to, to share it, share the experiences and the excite, excitement of it all. So, um, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see where even that sport goes and I'm sure we'll have opportunity to get some more um, perspectives on it. Um, there, we had a guest before that was had some experience with the WAFL. Uh, WAFL. And is that something that, um, do, you, do you think, is that just emerging in terms of the women's league? Or is that, um, where do you think that's at in terms of maturity of, uh, you know, being established and, and uh, you know, active on the Gold Coast? Yeah, the IFLW's, um it's grown it's grown immensely it's it's funny because i've seen i've gone from the point of view growing up we'd have a couple of girls play in i think it gets about 14s or 16s and there'd be girls playing in boy teams uh, and it, it shouldn't really be that way like it should be that they're just playing afl but um there'd be one or two girls that would play in these teams that are full of boys and now what's happened from that is there's junior 
grades all the way through that are filled with women as well, which is awesome. Um, and so it's had a really rapid rise um, to go from that point where you've got girls playing in teams that are filled with boys to just entire comps that are filled with girls. Um, it, it's one of those um, crazy things where netball is actually the most popular sport in Australia. And so I think it's trying to convert a lot of that, dem- like a lot of those sort of players over. And so it can become such a big sport where they've got just this massive pool to um, to sort of draft from and create a really strong sport. What I've noticed over the last couple of years is the skill level has gone through the roof with the AFLW. Um, a lot of that, I think you could notice at the start what which players played and pushed through that that sort of playing in boys' teams and played all the way through. There were some really significant, significantly good players skillfully, IQ-wise, but now it's like it's so condensed. You've got so many really good players and it's really competitive to get on a list. Um, and so I think there's definitely going to be a point where they just keep going up. But from what I've seen this year, it's becoming really exciting and being able to see girls do what they're doing it's pretty insane there's some crazy goals being kicked marks being taken it's um it's awesome in queensland i think is probably the part that's contributed the most um the local league's really strong and that probably the gap between the local league and that top professional league is um not as big a jump as it probably would be from um the quaffle level to afl level um at this in a in a men's sense so i think um queensland's probably almost sort of leading the front um, in terms of that space of growing and becoming really strong in that area. That's neat. Yeah, and, and all those changes, um, like it's not, a, it's not a huge time span. Like it's all happening, like you said, pretty quick. So yeah, really quick. You, know, you check back year on year. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, look, I think it's an amazing insight to it. We'll definitely share the links to some of the highlights. You know, for those that aren't yet familiar with the sport, there's mm-hmm. some spectacular... Uh, moments and uh, yeah, even just the career path, I think is fascinating. So um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, Jesse, I really appreciate you sharing all that today. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit? So for, to follow uh, that along with the website for pain, um, the company that you're working for. Yeah. Yeah. So um, pain pot Australia is obviously a um, sort of pain, pain free sort of drug device um, that focuses on the relieving of pain and, um, rehabilitation by um activating the muscles um yeah and that's devices and pads um and then they've also got affiliate programs where if you get involved and you refer people you can get some discounts on that um yeah you can find it on the website at painpod.com i think um there's an australian us and uk website um there you can order order there and call call the officers if you want to talk more about it but um that's perfect. Yeah, that's the area I've been working in, and it's been pretty cool seeing how it how it changes people's lives and makes their lifestyle pain free. Yeah, it's yep, drug free, and and, uh, and anyone anyone can can check it out. So guys, check out that website. And um, yeah, Jesse Joyce, thanks so much for coming on the show today, and uh, happy to have you back anytime. No, thanks for having me. All right, hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast. We appreciate your support and welcome your input. So if there is a topic that you would like to see covered please let us know via our website, aussieambitions.com or any of our social media accounts. And please subscribe to receive all of our updates. We hope that you picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go. And if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit, definitely get in touch. Mm-hmm.